0: everyone this is John Gunter I'm the preaching minister at the Eagle Community Church of Christ you're listening to our podcast from our teachings there and we're so grateful that you are today we start a new series we're calling Emmanuel as we study God's dwelling places throughout scripture today we start off with well Genesis the beginning and so we talk about God's ideal as he created the world I hope that throughout this series, you will uh, really be encouraged and uplifted as we look at how much God loves us. That's going to be a theme going forward. So again, we're thankful, we're grateful you're listening and drop by anytime. We begin a new series this, uh, this week. We're gonna this series throughout the month of November, Uh, and I'm simply calling this series Emmanuel, uh, and we're talking about God's dwelling places. Uh, If you remember, if you were here for last week's sermon, uh, we kind of talked about this. We kind of did an, an overview of the way God has reached in and tried to have a relationship with us from the very beginning to the very end of Scripture. You remember that? And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is really kind of dig down into that and look at the scripture behind it, uh, because I think for a lot of us, we still have this mindset, again, that we mentioned last week, that that God is somehow behind every corner, just ready to to zap us when we do something wrong. And that's not the message of scripture. Does God want us to follow him and do right? Absolutely. Will God discipline us? Absolutely. Absolutely but it is always for the the reason of bringing this this reconciliation to him because he wants to be with us. And so if we get that out of order, if we just see God as someone who's who's ready to zap us, I think that's going to warp our mindset and and really not, uh, that's not healthy in the mind of the Christian. And that's that's really not love if God was just taking delight in our failures, knowing we're going to fail, just ready to guess. But that's not the God we see in Scripture. Uh, if you have your bullets, and I gave uh, Tammy a couple of, uh, uh, well, I gave her one verse, but we're going to talk about two. Uh, Isaiah seven fourteen. We're going to use this as a uh, kind of a theme verse. Uh, and and by the way, I actually have a theme song for this series. Uh, anybody know the the band Mercy Me? Had a movie out a couple of years ago. Called I Can Only Imagine. If you haven't seen that, it's really good. I, I recommend it. Um, looks like more heads are shaking over here. So if you haven't seen it, go talk to these people over here. Um, but Mercy Me has a song, um, you know, Emmanuel, it's with an E, uh, God with us. And so that, if you want to kind of get into the groove of where we're going with this, hey, go listen to that song. Uh, it's, a, it's a great listen as well. But Isaiah 714 says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That's kind of odd to be in Isaiah, isn't it? Who do we normally think about when we, we, with a verse like this? The answer is when a preacher or a teacher asks you a question, it's either Jesus or Paul, right? I mean, so, so you're thinking about Jesus, right? which is Matthew 1. Uh, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what, church? God with us. us. And so what we see here is God is always trying, again, to have that closer relationship with us. And as we kind of uh, did the survey last week, that God even gets to the point where he's like, all right, well, I will go and live among them through my son. We will call his name Emmanuel, which really means God with us. I want to be with you. And so that's what we see here in in Matthew 1 is is just kind of this this idea that that God wants to be with us, not this whole going to zap you thing. And so week one this week, we're going to talk about in the beginning, in the garden. Uh, we kind of cruised through this last week again, but we're going we're gonna to cover some, some scripture here in this, this point. And so what we get in, in the garden, man, that is too small on my screen. How about, is that too small for you guys? I got some yes, some no. Okay, that means yes. I will, uh, I will crank that up next week. When you change font sometimes. You know, 55 in one font uh, is 85 in another or 25 in another. So you got to figure that out. So uh, I can read that on the back, but, but I'll, I'll get that up next week so you guys can see it. Uh, Genesis 1 begins like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. And so in the first verse of Genesis 1, what we see is God is ready to do something, right? Is this important for us? Yeah, it's important for us. Because what what is to follow is to tell you what is important in God's mind. What is God going to do, folks? Create, yeah, see where create. He is about to create. So do you think that God just went into this kind of willy-nilly, we'll see what happens type of deal? No, of course not. And so what we read from this point on kind of tells us these things are important to God. And so we'll, we'll kind of take a sampling of this. I've, uh, I've picked and chose a little bit, I'll just be honest, but you'll see the, the skipping around. But I, I'm basically going through Genesis chapter 1 at this point. Uh, verse three, it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. He looked around and saw that his creation of light was good. That's going to be a theme going forward. Don't worry, I've highlighted it for you. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was Yes, he did. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation. We'll just keep going until I catch fire up here. All right, good. (laughs) The land produced vegetation, uh, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Yes, he did. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was Yes, he did. And God said, "Let the waters teem with living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the vaults of the sky." And so God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its its kind. And God saw that it was. Yes, he did. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kind, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was. Yes, he did. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, and our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals. Dear hunters, say amen. (laughs) And over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to, all, and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so, God saw all that he had made and it was very, yes. Do you think God was happy with what he created? Yes, he did, and he was. And so this was important for God to make. I don't think that God was just going about this, seeing what would stick, or kind of what, what he thought in the moment, you know, that God had a plan, and he created. He created this earth. He created human beings. He created Adam and Eve, and he looked, and he said, yeah, this is good. This is what I want to create. And so what we get in Genesis uh, 1 through 3 is that God has created something that is good looking for him, something that he feels is a good thing. That's important to keep with us as we we move forward. Um, I would love to have, once we get to a point where we can have a Bible class, uh, anybody read through Genesis 1 and 2 lately? You read through Genesis 1, you get to Genesis 2, and you thought, I thought, thought I've already read this. And so uh, if, if that kind of piques your interest, go read that, and we'll talk about it sometime. I'll just uh, put that on hold for a little bit. But in Genesis chapter 2, it starts like this. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden uh, were the tree of life. Sounds okay. Okay. For the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havila, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush, which some people think is Ethiopia, by the way. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now, we already know that what God created, he saw as good. God creates this garden, as we talked last week about this, that he creates this perfection for man. And all we we had to do was what there in the last verse? We had to work it. And take care of it. That's it. And stay away from that one tree, right? Couldn't handle it. I, I You know, you, you can question my parenting if you want, but I always do that to my kids. You know, they'll get upset because I've taken something away, and I'll, I'll say, listen, all you had to do was blank, 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 and you couldn't handle it. You know, because they're blaming me for the decision, and I'm saying, no, this was your decision. And, and so we look back at this, and I asked last week, I said, who would, who would sign up to live in a, in a veritable Garden of Eden right now? Yeah. All I've got to do is take care of the garden. Uh, anybody love gardening, by the way? Anybody there? Yeah. Okay, so if you like gardening, I mean, this is, this is really the thing for you. Uh, some of you don't like gardening because you have to do that in, you know, uh, and go to work. But if all you had to do was go out and, and tend to the garden, pick your food, get everything you need, it might change your outlook, right? But This is what God creates for us. And look what happens here. It says, and the Lord God commanded um, the man, you are free to eat from the tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper super, uh, suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. All right, so we're fast-forwarding here. What has happened right after this? Adam and Eve have decided what? You know, that one tree, you couldn't handle it, right? You had it perfect. Anybody ever made a decision that seemed, per- you know, the grass is greener type decision before? Oh, yeah, we've all made that, right? Like, this was not what I thought it was going to be. You changed job. I had a buddy one time. I was like, listen, he was going to go from one place to a very similar place. It was the same kind of work in a different city. I said, what you need to do is make sure because... The place he was going to go to was more of a drive. I said, you need to make sure that you're getting into what you think you're getting into. Yes, I have friends working up there. They love it. Uh, I know this is what I want to do. He got there and it was not what he wanted to do. You've got to decide. We've got to have vision for more than just what do I want right here in this moment, right? Right? because that gets us in trouble. Our lack of vision and understanding, you know, God tells them, don't go do this. In the moment, Eve thought, you know, the serpent has told me, you will not surely die. And so she thinks, okay, in the moment, yeah, I want this. It's the only thing I can't have, so that makes me want it even more, right? That makes me want it even more. And so in the moment, this is the thing to do, I've gotta do it. And so we don't have vision for the future. I think we get that the older the older we get, right? That's why the Bible talks about older people should should help younger people and tell them, you know, you gain wisdom, life lessons, right? And and some of you have been able to share that. We're having financial peace right now. Francisco and Brooke are teaching. And when I have been in the classes, I've been in two two or three, uh, and every class someone is like, I wish I would have known this earlier in life because I wasted a lot of money. And that's the case when any, you know, anything that we do, if I would only have known whatever the information was, I could have made a better decision. But in the moment, if we're talking about money, I'm just making a decision because I want this. I've got to have this. And then we get towards retirement age and we say, where'd all my money go? Right? And that's what, that's what Adam and Eve have made. They've made a decision right here that, ah, yeah, I really want this. Forget what God said. And so it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now this suggests to me that they knew what the footsteps of the Lord sounded like. They didn't mistake this for some animal. Uh, they did not uh, I got to hunt a couple of days this weekend uh, on Friday and Saturday... And every time you sit in a tree stand, the squirrels like to imitate deer. And you get ready, and you, you know, if you're hunting with a gun, you put your safety off, and you're ready, and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, deer don't climb trees, do they? <laughs> but they knew as soon as they heard it that, that these were the footsteps of God. This tells me <laughs> they were used to that, and that God made this garden. He created this place not just for us, but for him. And so God dwells there with them. That's what God created. And so you have to view the rest of Scripture through this lens, that when God began, when he created, this is what he wanted, was to walk side by side alongside with you and with me. Now, again, if you were here last week, we talk about How many times does does God try to do this in different ways, and we continually say, hey, no thanks, you know, I'll I'll eat of this tree again, I'll I'll go do this, I'll, I'll, I'll run away for a minute. But the story of Scripture is this, that God continually tries every way possible to get close to us, because that's what he did in the beginning, and he's continually, throughout the Scripture, trying to get back to this. So they hear God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man and said, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Which is, you know, parent-child relationship, when your child tells on themselves and they don't even know it. Uh, Oops. God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. The first time the man didn't try to take responsibility for something, right? That was the last time too, but I mean, it was the first time, right? No, he says, he doesn't say, yes, Lord, I have sinned. He says, that woman you put with me, you know, she's the issue. Uh, y'all talk about that on the way to lunch today, okay? We'll just <laughs> let's figure that out. <laughs> And so, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit uh, from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat uh, food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. Anybody got a pasture or had a pasture before? How much you like those thistles? Y'all probably cursed the ground too, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is a part of the thing. Thorns and thistles, uh, it will produce for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food uh, until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. So yes, God in this moment is not happy, is he? Man, by our own choosing, we have decided that it is better for us to go against what God has said and follow our own line of reasoning, right? No, I think it would be better for me to eat of that. And God says, no, now you are cursed because of this. I want to, uh, uh, I think we've got one more scripture here, and then I've got some points I want to, to point out here. And the Lord God said, the, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. So God, uh, in this moment, though he created a place for man and God to walk together, because man has decided we will follow our own way, God has to say, all right, well, then this can't happen right now. This relationship can't be what I wanted it to be. And again, this sets the tone for the rest of Scripture. But God keeps doing this. And we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the tabernacle. We're going to talk about the temple. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about in the last days, God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit into everyone. So I'm going to live not only beside you in, in Jesus Christ, I'm going to live inside of you, blessing you with the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2. And so that is what we see starting right here uh, in Genesis. Lessons from the garden. Number one, God created good for us. God loves us. That, that is another main theme of the whole uh, scripture is that God loves us. That. How many times did we say that what God looked on, he said, was good, right? Y'all probably got tired of it, right? God looked on this creation. He said, yeah, this is good. God created this for you and me. He wants you to enjoy this world he has created. Now, does he want you to just kind of go about it any way you want to? Answer is no. No. But God, in the beginning, he created a world for us to enjoy and to live from. Uh, for me, I do like gardening, by the way, except in the middle of summer, and y'all put me down here in Houston, which summer lasts for like eight months here. Um, you know, it's too hot to even go outside. Uh, but I love eating, uh, you know, from the garden, the fresh produce where I don't have to, you know, I love some H-E-B. But to be able to go out in my garden and pick uh, the freshness, God created that for us. For us to enjoy, I'm a, I'm a tree lover, especially trees that uh, produce something for the wildlife. Like, that's big for me. I love to see how God, you know, gives things to nature. Uh, And so it says, you know, that God even created these trees that were good to eat from. They were even pleasing to look at. I'm a white oak fan. Again, you you find one of those while deer hunting, you better stick close to it. Uh, Acorns are so sweet that a lot of people make bread out of them. And uh, God created that for us to enjoy. But he didn't create all this just for us to experience however we want. Number two, the garden was a dwelling place both for us and for God. I've, I've already kind of made this point, so I won't stay here long. But again, this was not just for us. This was not just for Adam and Eve to have a garden, to have a perfect place. It was Adam and Eve and God dwelling together. Again, take this with you throughout the rest of Scripture. This should be your view of God. He wants to live side by side with us. And number three, God disciplines, but he does so for redemption. Again, the idea that God is waiting around every corner ready to just smack you and and erase your name from the book of life, that is not the story of God. That is not what you see in Scripture. When God disciplines, it is so that you will be disciplined and want to come back to him, to reconcile that relationship. Otherwise, Genesis 3 would be the end of Scripture, and he said, know what? I'm done with these people. The grass is great. You know, I had a plan. They went away from it. No, thank you. But that's not it, is it? The rest of scripture tells us how, how devoted God is to us and how many times He's gonna keep coming back, even though we kind of throw our arms up and say, no, thank you. Or, or maybe, maybe it's even worse, I think, for a time we'll say, yes, God, we want you but then we kind of get bored or we get enticed by something else and we walk away. But God keeps on trying to come. Jesus, when he teaches parables, it's always, you remember the the, the prodigal son, right? He goes away, he tells his dad, basically, uh, I wish you were dead now, so I'd go ahead, and have that, go ahead and have that money. Takes the money, goes out and squanders it on reckless living. You know, Jesus is telling about, you know, having these uh, crazy uh, uh, prostitutes or whatever it is that he's spending this money on. He comes back, and the father is just ready to knock him out, right? No. So the father greeted him like this. Now, the rest of the story is the older brother, who a lot of times is like a lot of church people who stand back and see the prodigal and say, you know what? I've been here the whole time. What when, wasn't when we celebrating this guy? But God's story, God's love is, I want you back. The son comes back repentant, and God's only answer is, I love you. I'm, I'm ready to have you back. We're going to have a party. And so if you find yourself today as one who has walked away from God, I'm telling you right now, God is sitting here waiting, just hoping. Uh, I see the prodigal son as a uh, anyone who's a parent. If my child runs away for a while, I spend hours a day walking by the front door or front window looking to see if they've come back. I think if if in this parable uh, the, uh, the, the father in this story had had carpet in his house, there would have been a worn track close to the front, out the front door just to check and see. And that's the story of God for us. So if you've walked away from him, make that right today. He is ready. He is willing. He wants you to have this relationship with him. So don't ever come here and say, you know what? I've done too much. You just don't know what all I've done. It doesn't matter. That's what Jesus comes and teaches in parables and shows you that God loves you even more than all the things that you have done. His love is far greater than any of that. And so I pray that for each of us, that's the picture of God that we take with us. That's the picture of God that we tell people about. We do encourage each other to live better lives, to follow God, to try and um, catch those things before we completely run off the rails. We wanna do that, our, our small groups are perfect to uh, to share praises and, and prayers and encouragements along the same way. Would you make your life right with God right now this morning? We're gonna have a, a invitation song, we'd love to pray with you, uh, we'd love to, uh, pray as a church together is uh, if you need to come back to God, if you need to make your life right, if you need to uh, put Christ on in baptism, let's do that right now uh, and begin that walk with him.